Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters for the 5th of September 2023. Today I am joined by Dan Hello. and Esther. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I don't know if you want to introduce yourself. People might not be familiar with you. Uh, I'm Esther Kreku. I'm a writer and a broadcaster and I do stuff. Also. <laughs> it's too much to get into, but yeah, that's the gist of it. You're going to do that with your resume one day? Just be like, I do yeah. stuff. Let me up. Yeah, I just yeah, it's hard to <laughs> do politics stuff. Fair enough. So today we're going to be talking about the ADL war has begun. I think the, the fight is coming from Elon Musk. About time. Yeah. Uh, I don't like Putin, but... Yeah, it's, quite a, big, it's quite, a, quite a big but. But we, uh, we, we get to that. See where that's going. <laughs> yeah. And also the people profiting. I just want to talk about the people who are literally stealing all our money and um, destroying the country in the process. Which is why they don't care, because they're making, oh my God, unbelievable amounts of money. Mm. But without further ado, I'll begin. So, let's talk about the ADL war that has begun. I don't know if you're aware, but... Elon Musk, because um, I think he's going for it. I think he's going to sue them. And I'm yes. really glad about it. because The I hero think, we deserve. Yeah. Um, people who don't know, the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, they're a Jewish organization that was set up to protect people from civil rights violations, blah, blah, blah. This is the stated goal. Um, the reality is they're a bunch of time-wasting, money-burning bastards because they don't actually do anything useful other than silence political opponents because they don't like their politics. Okay. I don't know well, about you. What they what they seem to do, as far as I'm concerned, is is defamation, and yeah. it's a sort of trend I've noticed. If any organisation that puts anti in its title, the anti bit isn't true. Like anti anti fascists, no, they are they are literally fascists. The anti poverty groups, all they do is promote policies that extend poverty, and the uh, anti defamation league, all they do is defame people constantly. And the main thing being because they're so what what is I I mean I understand what you mean. So what exactly do they what what is their mo? Like do they they tr they sue people basically that they feel like has defamed them, or do they try and get advertising? Well, they they, they try and get people cancelled because they 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 will sort of take action, but a lot of the time they can do it by simply denouncing people and say, okay, um, you toe the line, otherwise we're going to call you an anti-Semite, and then they call them an anti-Semite and they get cancelled, and basically the mechanisms just do it themselves, like that Facebook. Sounds, that sounds like mean them. girls, like secondary school. Like I'm sorry, yes. I don't know if I'm being like, and that doesn't make sense. Like, <laughs> I, I don't no, understand. No, you it. have got it. You, you have so, got it. so they say you do what we Modern want, or we'll call you mean words. Yes. Oh no. Yeah, okay. this works yes. somehow. I mean, again, I'm surprised too. I don't think anyone should take these people seriously from all walks of life, not just the ADL, but like, uh, yes. say, stamp the racism as another one. Yes. Um, hope not hate in the UK. Yes. It references hate not soap. But, but yeah. we we shall begin with just promoting something on the website real quick. This being the book clubs we do. This one on Giovanni Gentili's The Doctrine of Fascism. Uh, because if you actually want to learn something about fascism or anti-Semitism, uh, go and read it instead of just getting told by the ADL that the person who disagrees with you is totally an anti-Semite because um, they hurt my feelings. Now, yes. for people who don't know, strange. the news, we shall go to Elon Musk. Because he decides to tweet out out of the blue. He's having a day, mm -hmm. working hard, eight hours a week, whatever the hell he does. I just tweets out for some reason. To be super clear, I'm pro-free speech, but also against anti-Semitism of all kinds. As, you know that meme? Really? It's like, Cool. Yeah. What? Why have a man? Why, why, why are you tweeting this? And there was a lot of people who obviously asked that. And then he, well, elaborated, to say the least, in which he goes off on one. Oh, well, oh he has a thread. Oh, yes. This is the first time I've seen a thread from Elon Musk. So he says here, since the acquisition the, of Twitter here, the ADL has been trying to kill this platform by falsely accusing it and me of being anti-Semitic. Our US advertising revenue is still down at 60% primarily due to pressure on advertisers by the ADL. That's what advertisers tell us. So they're succeeding, or almost succeeding, in killing Twitter. Okay. 
If this continues, we will have no choice but to file a defamation suit against, ironically, the Anti-Defamation League. <laughs> if they lose the defamation suit, we will insist that they drop the anti part of their name since, you know, obviously. Oh, right. There we go. That's my point then. Yeah, he's got it. This is quite entertaining. I'm actually looking forward to this. Because, um, of course, they've been sitting around calling everyone and being like, you know, you know I, I, I genuinely believe that groups like the ADL can only thrive in the West where people actually care what names they're being called. I mean, seriously, like if I, if I, if I was sat in a room full of my uncles and be like, oh, you're mean, they'd make a song out of it. How Spider-Man, we are mean. Like they're just, I, I don't understand how a group can have such power that effectively they could cancel whole groups and organizations and platforms by just saying you're a racist you're this you're that what happened to no I'm not let's yeah it's it's because we care about those labels like I'm I'm sure if you went up to somebody in Nigeria and called them a racist they'd be like what they just wouldn't care they just it's it's a uniquely Western phenomenon. Yes. I have never met anyone else from any other part of the world that cares about these sorts of things. Europeans do have a hyper-evolved sense of guilt, which is yeah. just, it just doesn't seem to have a limit on. Which is very easy to weaponize, which yes. is which is unfortunate. Um, because I mean, I I just I can't fathom this happening anywhere else. I can't imagine going to India and being like, oh, you're casteist. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You ever seen the racism maps? <laughs> What? You know about the racism maps? No. So there was a survey done of pretty much every country on earth and it was a question like would you mov- would you mind if your daughter married someone of a different race blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. and every single map it's just like the west um and nato let's say is all green with i don't care and then india is just glowing red. Yeah <laughs> like no. <laughs> yeah. And then there's france which is like right in between where half of the people went nah, I don't think so. Yeah. So right. that's Well it's true. I mean yeah this this is going to be entertaining. I really hope he sues them though. But if you, it's funny you bring up that this only works in the West because we'll get back to it. And for some reason, Asian advertisers on Twitter don't care. I can imagine. Yeah, 0% difference in the amount of funding since wow. the ADL went after Musk. Get back to that a bit, shall we? But he's uh, not the only thing because he decided to start, um, well, hmm, going on a rant. I mean, his whole Twitter feed is now just filled with Hey, look, I didn't know about this. Hey, did you know about this? You know, those kind of tweets. Mm. Oh, is that thing he does where he's like puts interesting under a trend that he wants to highlight? Yeah. Look at this interesting thing. They're all corrupt bastards. (laughs) So (laughs) we'll quickly go through some. Mm -hmm. So he mentions here about the the controversy in more detail, the cost of it precisely, because that's what I'd be suing for. Giving them the maximum benefit of the doubt, I don't see any scenario where they're responsible for less than 10% of the value destruction. So around 4 billion US dollars, he writes. So, I mean, that's, that's what you got to sue them for. And he says they're roughly about 22 billion in total, is what we're doing. Uh, document discovery and all the communications within the ADL and advertisers will tell the full story. So that will all be released, which mm-hmm. will be funny. Advertisers avoid controversy so that all that is needed is for the ADL to crush our US and European ad revenue. Much less power in Asia, he writes. Mm. Funny, funny. Funny anyway, that. <laughs> this controversy causes advertisers to pause, but that pause is permanent until the ADL gives the green light, which they will not do unless they agree secretly to suspend or shadow ban accounts that they don't like. Okay, so that's the corruption in the machine right there. And he says that this relationship they had with Twitter for many years, presumably they have it with all Western search engines, social media orgs. And they do. Um, demonstrably, they do, because we can see it from Facebook, for example, wow. who said not only that they work with them. Um, this article here from Politico, for some reason, they made it public that, yes, this was all an orchestrated lie to make Facebook do what they want. It's pretty bold. I mean, well, if, I, if I got away with, you know, 
a, bi- a big part of their grift is being able to display the power that they have. They they yeah. want to visibly crush opponents every now and again so that everybody else falls in line and they get their power and they get their funding and they get their influence. I mean, <clears throat> it's kind of just highlights how cowardice has become so pervasive in society because you have to question, you know, the higher ups in, in Facebook, for instance, that make these sorts of commercial decisions. Um, if they're thinking beyond just saving face or saving the few advertisers, advertisers that they don't want to run away. Are you not thinking, do you want your children to grow up in a world, assuming they have children, um, to grow up in a world where organizations like this don't have as much power to tell you who you can and can't have advertised on your platform? I mean, it's, 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 it's quite obscene. And, you know, people say like, actually, that courageousness is a very rare trait. I think it's pure courage actually exists only in about 1% of the population. But you can see it. You can see it play out because I find it so ridiculous that an organization like this can bring, like, you know, Facebook to its knees. I mean, it's not just Facebook, of course, the advertisers themselves. I think if you work in advertising, gross spine. Someone calls you up and say, I don't know where you put the bus advert. Go to hell. I don't care. Well, yeah. Like, I'm trying to sell pills or you know, whatever else. <laughs> But the, yeah. the story in here is funny because, as you mentioned, they like to sort of dance and be like, yes, I am a liar and a grifter, and what are you going to do about it? Which is weird mm. in politics, but they can get away with it. So they write in here that um, Facebook had said in a statement that they didn't want to tr- touch Trump's posts because when it came to elections, it believed in robust debate. Okay? Okay. You remember that back when they were like, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Politics. Which seemed fair at the time, of course, as being like 2019. And now they're yeah. saying here, there's two people you need to know. So there's uh, Rashid Robinson, who's the director of Color of Change, and uh, Mr. Gupta, who's also the, the leader of some organization who gives a crap. Um, and they say in here, Robinson, for him, it was a turning point. Where do we go from here? Him getting pissed off there that they said, we're not going to delete Trump for mm-hmm. saying stuff. It, that, that apparently was the turning point. He said to Zuckerberg, Cheryl, and Nick Clegg, the three people who ran Facebook at the time, that uh, we'd like to have another pivot. I'm saying to then that I'm going to go another route. Gupta was similarly frustrated, yet she determined that the advocates couldn't just throw up our hands and walk away and say, screw it. So then they go on to meet Jonathan Greenblatt of the ADL. And Mr. Greenblatt comes to them and says, what if we make up a story about hate? Okay. And then we tell the advertisers that they've got to stop funding hate on Facebook until they do what we want, which is ban Trump. So then they just do it. You may remember the hashtag stop funding hate. I don't know if you recall this mm-hmm. advertising camp. That was it. This is, I'm not kidding. You can go read the full article in your own time. They literally named the individuals involved, the conversations they had, and why they did it. I mean, I'm sorry, but that just is mad. That's, that's not very slick. Um, I'm very curious the numbers behind this. So, how much, if, if you know, how much. <sighs> how, how many uh, customers do businesses lose if they're, if, I don't know, they're, they're being spread like if 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 AD, the ADL says they are promoting hate or whatever how much does this actually affect their bottom line because i really maybe it's my personal circle i don't know anyone that would effectively be perturbed by you know s- soliciting goods or services from a particular organization based on the fact that they pop up on ADL's don't buy list or anything like that i i, I generally yeah. wonder how much sway the uh, you know ADL. Well, if, if we take Musk at his word, I mean, right. what was he inferring there? Was it something like forty billion from advertisers? Yeah, sixty percent. Yeah. Yeah, and he and he says that um, you know not less than ten percent of it, so four billion is the effect of the ADL. But so it's at least four billion. In, but then that doesn't that doesn't that wouldn't that indicate that it's more about the kind of political leanings of the powers that be that make the decisions as opposed to actually we're doing this to protect our bottom line. And that's why these, you know, companies are refusing to advertise with Twitter. That's, that's my logic because I I actually don't, 
I, I really don't see how this manifests in terms of actual business or commercial value. I really don't. I mean, I, I genuinely think it's just a few people at the top that yes. have this kind of God complex. I think we're doing this for the future, for the best of society. Yeah, but the people at the top of advertising firms also have that sort of complex and a sort of... I, I think that's what it politics. is. So I, I think it does resonate with a certain number of people and, and yeah. clearly it has had a measurable effect at Twitter. So it's 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 hard to tell, but I think what definitely can be said is that Facebook are pathetic. They should have just told them to go screw themselves. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on, like we're all billionaires who... Like if, actually cares. If, really. if you're actually a billionaire, the point of being a billionaire surely is to live your life how you want. That's why you got the money. It's called F you money for a reason. Yeah, you have so, enough money to say F off. Like Elon Musk is the only person I have respect for so far who literally did just say F off, which yeah. is the news. But that's not the only thing. He also decided to tweet very interesting to this. It is a 2009 movie review of the politics of defamation. Now, this is a bunch of Israelis who decided to go meet the ADL um, to see what they were. And okay. very quickly discovered that the uh, ADL do not help Jews or stop anti-Semitism. They're probably creating it, frankly, yeah. with their work. So Nuance Bro decided to tweet out a short segment of this here, which is um, very revealing. It's a little bit long, but I'd like to play it all because you'll get a sense of just how pointless these human beings are. And uh, I suppose... We'll... So, so this is a guy from the ADL, is it? Yes. So it's a documentary where they're going to ask the ADL, so what do you do exactly? Oh, we go back to that clip. I'm sorry, I think I may have pressed... Do uh, you have on. enough uh, resources to, to deal with the, all the stuff? No, 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 no. We're flooded every day with these things all over the country. It's a very big problem. According to the ADL reports from the last couple of years, the average number of anti-Semitic incidents in the US is around 1,500 a year. I'm hoping Joel Levy can help me find a case I'll be able to follow. What? What I'd like to do is to follow a case. I understand, yeah. You know, every film is like uh, a drive. Yeah. Once we have like uh, a case that we can follow, so that, that would be great. We're going over the fresh data collected over the last couple of weeks to see if there's anything I will be able to film. We have received in the last week or so um, someone who, <clears throat> employment case, someone who um, didn't, didn't, uh, wasn't able to take days off for the holiday. Um, someone who um, is a school teacher and wanted days off for Shavuot. Someone who is a nursing student and had some issues with taking time off as well as uh, with taking time off. Um, we also got a phone call from someone who was complaining about a website that had anti-Semitic um, remarks on it. Mm -hmm. uh, someone who was complaining about an article in the newspaper who they thought had anti-Semitic mm -hmm. anti undertones. Um, and undertones. And that seems mean? to be the roundup. And, and that, that's what we've had in the last two, two weeks. weeks. Those, are, those are the kinds of incidents that we've had okay. recently. Five in two weeks. So you, you, there's no way to predict. There just wasn't I'm anything the suitable from the last two here. weeks. Exactly. Very Karen. That's it. That's sincerely. They were trying to show off to this documentary filmmaker from Israel. Look, we're doing hard work to stop anti-Semitism. And they had some time off complaints and some people whining about what was in the newspaper. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, website. I, I can understand there were sensitivities in the Jewish community because, you know, they don't want another Holocaust. But but that that is sort of that level. And, and this is, you know, I, I didn't get time off on the day that I wanted. It's, you know, there was a bit of a difference going on here. I find, <clears throat> I find how the word hate has been weaponized uh, quite fascinating. But it's because, disagreement now, isn't it? Because the, I, I just, the thing is, because it, it's now become meaningless, yes. right? It's, it's kind of like what, what makes a, a crime a hate crime? 
And I genuinely don't know the difference. It, you know, only if the the victim in question feels that it was targeted, um, it was a targeted crime based on their identity or their chosen identity. Mm. And I'm like, okay, but surely that's just a crime then, or surely all crimes are hateful. Well, and it's the same thing with advertising, hate speech, you know, hate organizations. What does that mean? Well, as far as I can tell, a hate crime is when you commit a crime against a person who isn't the same color as you are. So if you are going to commit a crime, make sure it's the same color. Or sexuality. And it's just, it's it's meaningless. And you're effectively satirizing things that we should be taking seriously. Yes. I don't understand. I mean, the the whole sort of police commission, uh, police, you know, commissions or commissioners that are dedicated to looking for hate online. What a waste of your time. Because it doesn't mean anything. Well, it's a political crime. It's a type of crime that we politically are sensitive to. A thought crime. Yeah. Well, not just thought crimes, but also any physical crime. Let's say if I kill someone and he's white, no one gives a crap. I kill a guy and he's black. Well, suddenly it's a hate crime. That's a problem. We are more politically sensitive to black people in the West. I do the same thing in China. No one gives a crap. That's not getting the hate crime anymore. But if I kill a communist party member, that's probably some kind of special crime. And this is the joke of all of this. I mean, just a side note, I love the whole, we do so much work. What do you do? Um... (sighs) Yeah, <laughs> I always love people who are like, "Yeah, I do so much work," and then you get them to list it, and you go, "That's not, that's yes. not much, mate." But it's not the only one. There's also a clip here that's funny, but we don't have time for it. In which, for some reason, back in the day, they went to the Ukrainian parliament and told the Ukrainians that they can't call the Holodomor a genocide because that would devalue the Holocaust. And the, the exact quote from the representative from the ADL is the. Uh, we don't want it to seem like your Holocaust, our sorry, your genocide, our genocide, because then there would be a comparison. And the Ukrainian parliament is just looking at him like, we're going to be very diplomatic and say we respect <laughs> the Holocaust. And then they just left because it was like, sorry, you came here to tell us that we can't call our own genocide a genocide. It's a police speech for some reason. Like- yeah. But it's, sorry, you want to sit there and be like, the Holodomor wasn't really a genocide, was it? I was like, you're just bad people. And then to sit there and stand on the Holocaust and be like, we represent the fight against that. No, you don't. You're just, you're just bad individuals. And this went on. Elon then tweeted this. It's a thing about, well, it's a Jewish author here talking about how the ADL tried to make Al Sharpton into a hero after he helped some that black is, riots. That is, not, that is not a great look. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Al Sharpton had, well, some Hasidic guys ran down an African-American boy, killed him. There were some uh, riots from the local black residents. They ended up chanting, as you see, death to the Jews. Uh, then Al Sharpton turned up after a Jewish guy had been stabbed to death and um, decided to make it worse. And then for some reason, the ADL went out and were like, well, he, wouldn't, he didn't mean it. He was a good guy. Like, no, no, just stop. But uh, The enemy of my enemies, my friend. It's, it's dumb. But the whole thing that this started was because of Mr. TikTok, who discovered that the whole reason that this conversation is even happening is because the ADL wanted her deleted. And so Elon Musk said, okay, I'll just release all the messages they've ever had with me because screw those guys. Did he actually? Yeah. So as you can see here, lives a TikTok saying, you know, Elon Musk just revealed the ADL whose goal is to fight anti-Semitism pushed for lives of TikTok to be shut down, which obviously has nothing to do with anti-Semitism. It was also run by an Orthodox Jewish woman. So <laughs> That's a great look. The whole thing lives of TikTok does is look at the libs, not Jews of TikTok. Which... I mean, I find lives of TikTok quite funny. So I, I really, I, for me, the, most of their content is inoffensive, or any of the content I've seen. So that's probably not... But I also love how no one was speaking of the Jews and then ADL comes out and is like, this is anti-Semitic. Uh, I, I, I get this question a lot because anyone that has is any sort of media-facing, front-facing role, they, they get this question. Who funds them? Genuinely. I'm genuinely curious who funds the ADL because I, I don't think I've, I've ever seen what looks to me like a more pointless organization. Well, the power they have is actually severe. Well, there's that as well. That'll be where the money's coming from. Probably Democrats because that's what their angle is. Mr. Greenblatt, for example, he used to work for President Barack Obama. 
Okay. So funnily enough, um, there are no anti-Semites anti-Semites in the Democratic Party he's been able to find in the last eight years. Um, but for some reason, everyone on the right, including lives of TikTok, a Jewish woman is an anti-Semite to him because, well, obviously it's political. That's it. Mm. I mean, there is no smoke and mirrors here, really. Just, we don't like your politics, so we'll call you whatever we need to. In America, anti-Semite is the biggest thing we can call you to get your reputation smeared. So we'll do that, and then we'll ban you. And that's the game. That's that's all. There I, re- is. I do hope Elon successfully sues them, because um, just just because it'll just be more entertainment for me, and it'll be quite interesting in the the run up to the elections next year. Well, Still, we are saying elections like twenty twenty four is going to be the year. It very well be, but we might wonder what's the ADL's response. So everyone's calling them out and saying, okay, well the, the problem with you is you just lie about people being anti semites, and then you go and get political opponents banned. Well, they decide to respond to all of this by saying we want Tucker Carlson banned because he's an anti semite. No evidence. Head of the ADL This is Jonathan here. She's being like, obvious anti-Semite, Twitter must have platform Carlson. This, this is quite naked Democrat friend-enemy distinction yep. dressed up in uh, anti-Semitism. I mean, it's a tantrum. This is why I said this feels like, like, like Mean Girls or something in secondary school. Yeah. Uh, why Twitter must de-platform Carlson? Like, says who? Not the only one, obviously. They then went on to say, literally anyone who advertises on Twitter, you're an anti-Semite. Great. Good, good job. It's being from Vidman here. Works them as well. It's just... I'm sorry, but it could not be more transparent that there is no civil rights aspect to any of this. Mm. The accusation is you call people anti-Semites not because they are, but because you want them destroyed because you politically disagree with them. What do you have to say? And they responded with, well, you're an anti-Semite because you politically disagree with us. We want you banned. Well, it's exactly the same dynamic point. with racism. It's, it's overusing yeah, it until exactly. it completely well, loses it's, any it's, meaning. It's meaningless. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, completely exposed on the first day that, yeah, that is what you do. And what I'm quite looking forward to is we just sue them for defamation, take a billion dollars off them, which is not small. Um, they'll be destroyed financially, hopefully. Well, yeah. And hopefully, America and the rest of the world, basically being Europe in this case, because Asians need care, as you mentioned, can start treating them like Tariq Nasheed. Are you familiar with Tariq Nasheed? Why is, Remind why is me. I've heard the name, but... Tariq Nasheed's a wonderful guy. I love him. He's a, he's a black nationalist <laughs> who's American and obviously is kind of potty because he made this movie a while back, you may remember. Buck breaking, a lot of memes made about it, in which is he this argues. Like, is this like a BDSM? Wait, well, sort of yeah. <laughs> funny. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This, this, looks, this looks like someone is having so a Tariq, copious amount of Is this of sex. a gay slave Jesus or something? I mean, I mean li- honestly, yes, this is what I'm thinking. This looks like some sort of freaky night out that doesn't end. This is how you should think of the ADL if you're without any pregnancy. So, this is- <laughs> so Tariq used to make a bunch of movies arguing like the Japanese were black, the Romans were black, Queen Elizabeth, she's black, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Oh, so he's blind. Okay. That kind of nonsense. And then he came up with this movie, which is arguing that the LGBTs of Europe were raping the slaves to keep a brother down. And that's why the real history has been, and it, it was kind of mental. Obviously. I mean, this man is clearly mentally unwell. I gotta show you like a screenshot of it because, of course, like the thing instantly just got turned into a meme, and everyone mocked him because it was like, "Bro, why are you making rape porn? Like, what is actually wrong with you?" And this should be the response to the ADL, which is just like, "You're <laughs> look, at the, look at the woman. Come sorry, look at the woman's horror. <laughs> <laughs> like he paid a human being to make this art. Wow, for his movie. And it's like, yeah, um, so, so he made he made this. Yes, he commissioned it. Well, cl- oh. he, clearly he's mentally unwell. But that's the thing. I mean, so in the any... ADL, everyone there in these circles who tries to argue such nonsense should be treated like Tariq is, which is as a joke. Um, sadly, at this point, the ADR have power, but... The thing is, they're, they're well-funded, mentally unwell people with a God complex. Um, unfortunately, he is yeah. not well-funded. And they're useful to the Democrats. <laughs> yeah, some, some good pencil work, I guess. That's 
Why am I trying to compliment this? Moving on. Anyway, that's that's, that's the ADL war. I suppose we'll... Uh, well, I, I, this, I'm never going to forget this, unfortunately. I'll send you the full movie. Bur- burnt into my retina. It's hilarious. Oh, dear God. Trinity's <laughs> previous work I actually think is better because he just sits there and genuinely argues like um, Suleiman, the, okay. the ruler of the Ottoman Empire, yes. is a black man. Oh, okay. And then just proceeds to not make an argument why. And then Beethoven, he's... Black. What is his definition of black? Just out of curiosity. Because I feel like once you get into that, the territory of this kind, this guy and the um, Nick Cannons of the world, black just becomes like someone with... I just mean... Two, um, just you know what I mean? Fast. It doesn't actually mean anything. You know Minotaurians um, from Star Wars? No, okay. I've never seen Star Wars. Nonsense uh, logic. Basically the same thing, but melanin. So like, okay, but only for like Democrats. And yeah, it's, it's in your heart. Once you eat dessert, it makes you a great man. That's, that's strange. Uh, yeah, America. Anyway, America more broadly, their conception of 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 race and blackness is is as someone who is not. American, I don't know. I think I find right. extremely strange. Very it's bizarre. Japanese are Ethiopian. Well, yeah, apparently. What, what Nick Cannon said something very weird as well. He said like something about white people not having a soul and that black people are the only people with a soul. And I'm like, okay. But if you came to Sub-Saharan Africa, we'd see you as mixed race. So that's yeah. that's a bit awkward. Whatever, white man. All right. Should, should, should we talk about the soul of Putin? Oh, God. Oh, yes. We, we, okay. we, we, should, we should get to that. Oh, this isn't going to be controversial. Because, yeah, well, it, I, well, it might be actually because, um, you know, the way I am, I'm not particularly a fan of, um, you know, um, Western governments and, you know, NGOs, the WEF and NATO and all that kind of stuff. And basically my, my views on this haven't changed. But a couple of years ago, a thing happened in, in Ukraine. And all of a sudden I started having people telling me that I was a Putin shill or something because I was because I was anti, anti-NATO and all of these sorts of things. And to begin with, I just sort of just just knocked it back. Um, but then I got fed up with that. And I thought, oh, fuck it, let's just roll with it then. So um, so basically, what I want to do in this segment is... Sorry, just, so hang on. So your evolution of... Um, well, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still not pro... I'm, I'm still not pro-Putin, which is, which okay. is why this, 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 this segment is called I'm not... I don't like Putin, but uh, because you know he, he is were a sort you, of managerial elite. He's, he's, a, he's a thugster. He's a dictator. He's all of those things. But I, why were you getting shtick? Were you not sufficiently anti-Putin or because? It, oh no, because I, no, I don't know how social media works. But I yes. think if you don't pay a certain level of lip service, then that people find well, it. well, basically because I'm, I'm critical of the way that um, uh, Western governments have behaved overseas and, and organizations like NATO and so on, and the U.S. State Department and so on, and and what they did is a very reductive. Um, you know, if you're not on our side, you're on his side. Oh, okay, so, I, so I see. By what... extension, you, you must be pro-Putin. Um, which, like I said, I did knock back, but you know, eventually you just get to the point where you think, well, okay, well, wh- why don't we just compare um, him to what we've got then, and, and and see how that measures up? So again, still, I'm not, I'm not being pro-Putin, but uh, <laughs> let, well, let's start with this video. Now, the setup here is He's actually a uh, short-term person. What is he like, five seven? Yeah, he, 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 oh, the, the boss energy in this, though. You, oh, wait, yeah. you wait till you see the boss energy. I'm going to have to live dub it as we go for the people who are listening rather than watching because it's in Russian. But basically, the setup here is he, he's turned up to a dispute, um, an industrial dispute that's been dragging on. So, so let's listen to this and I'll dub it. Vladimir Putin strode into town. Unlike Medvedev, Putin confronted the factory owners. With your ambition, professionalism, and pure greed. These are thousands of lives. 
Это абсолютно недопустимо. It's absolutely unacceptable. Если собственники договорятся между собой, то единый комплекс все равно будет восстановлен. В том или в другом One виде. Way or another. То это будет сделано без вас. I'll do it without you. He demanded the owners, including billionaire Oleg Deripaska, sign an undertaking to restart the factories. Did everybody sign this agreement? Jessica, have you signed it? I can't see your signature. Sign it. And this is the best bit coming up here. Here's the agreement. Give me back my pen. Classic Putin. <laughs> Billionaire oligarch made to look like a little schoolboy. So anyway, boss energy. You know, you can see the just from the body language, you can kind of see the uh, training he had on the KGB. Just the, the ability, yeah. his <clears throat> the ability to influence. And to intimidate just comes across with the way he speaks. He uses very short sentences. He's very blunt, obviously, um, which I think is, is more of an Eastern European thing. But he's, his body language is very like open. I mean, I don't know if you've heard of this. Um, you know Narendra Modi, um, PM of uh, India. He, there was this um, meme about him based on something that he said that he has a 32-inch chest. And his whole kind of masculine persona is the fact that he's an unmarried man. He's a bachelor. He's dedicated himself to the state of India. And he has a really broad chest. So when he walks around, you can see like he kind of um, pushes his scapula down and like his shoulders back. And Putin has the same kind of body language. I mean, before obviously the war in Ukraine, I used to post memes because I just, he was he was very like, almost like a caricature for me. Like that whole ultra machismo. It's, it's, But you can, like, you, you can actually analyze it. You can, you can study the way his his how his physical his physicality kind of um i don't know ameliorates his persona i guess yeah. that would cheese he doesn't have to throw punches it's, it's just like the whole confident masculine exactly. energy that he projects. yeah exactly i mean yeah. i find it fascinating um also memeable but also fascinating yeah and and then so you know that that's putin right confident uh, capable in command getting things done uh, masculine energy let's compare that to next video please This is Rishi Sunak uh, <laughs> trying to look hard with his banging beats. I'm going to stop the boats. Roll it. Here are five things I'm doing to stop the boats. First, I'm bringing in new laws that will mean if you come to the UK illegally, you can't stay. Now, no this, matter this is, how hard you try. Trying Second, to I've secured a deal with France no, that will scrap help him. stop Let's the boats him. Let's we, we, we won't have to listen to the whole thing. This is like GCSE drama from, yes. from a, a boy in public school. Do you know what I mean? It kind of gives, as someone who unfortunately knows loads of I went to public school. It, it gives that like quiet, you know, I'm just going to do it because I need a C grade. It, it's impotent energy, this one. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Trudeau is a perfect example. Oh, yeah. I, well, I, I, could, I could have easily added Trudeau to this, but... I, I, made, I made a point of saying I could never... I could never, like, I, I could never go near Trudeau, like, in a sexual capacity. He's just so yes. repulsive to me and most women well, I know. Trudeau is, is is feminine energy. Well, at least Rishi Sunak is just neutered male energy. Yeah, he's just kind of like kind of nub. public schoolboy that's given up. Um, yeah, but yes. Trudeau is just, yes, just unacceptable. Right, and and if you think that doesn't have testicles, but Trudeau is probably a rapist, is the kind of thing I have. No, I don't, I don't think he ha I don't think no, I don't think Trudeau is. Capable. I get like male feminist vibes from Trudeau. Yes, which uh, yeah. I actually don't think he's attracted to women, but that's a different okay. conversation. That's probably true. Right, now, if you think Sunuk was bad, let, let's have a look at... Oh, and, and the other thing about Sunuk, right, is even when he goes, uh, we, we're just going to get some... We're going to get Starmer, aren't we? 
So some West yeah. trilateral commission. The, you know, it's interesting how Western politics has evolved. Like, yeah. you know, now we've evolved to be almost repulsed by a masculine, mm. like machismo man. When it really should come down to the actual politics, what they're they're proposing and all of that. But we've we've now curated kind of what we think is an acceptable leader or archetype of a leader to be almost like a neutered man. Yeah, I, I was talking about this in um in contemplations uh, with, with a well, contemplations not out yet with Josh, and we're talking about that and about how sort of Western power structures have become very feminized, mm. and with masculine power structures that we used to have and Russia still has today, there's a very clear line. Yeah. And if you cross it or even look like you're about to approach it, you, you basically get told no. You know, that that's the line. Whereas in very feminine power structures such as we've got today, it's it's very much based on emotion and it can move from day to day. And it's yeah. all about feelings, how you've made people feel, like we talked about in the first segment. Have you made people feel like you're being racist or anti-Semitic or, or whatever it is? I think maybe because our view of leadership has evolved, I guess. I don't know if it's for evolved, a good thing. Yes. Or, yeah, I was about to say, I don't know yeah. if it's a positive or a negative thing. You know, back, back in the day, we used to think a leader was strong and made decisions. Oh, and, yeah. You know, he took responsibility, he or she took responsibility and all of that. And now we just have someone who brings everyone together and makes you feel yes. and tries to be kind of almost complacent and appeasing. What, and what, what, it's, 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 I've, I've seen it in my lifetime and I find it quite interesting I guess yeah. it's, it's strange to me because that's still not the conception of leadership that I have but yeah. that's because I you know I didn't grow well, up well the, the next example doesn't even do that can, can we play the, the Joe Biden clip so, so th this is this is Biden on the stage for those of you listening he's coming out he's trying to do the robot um, he, he, he's a bit confused he doesn't he, he's forgotten where he is. He's trying to get off the stage, but there's no uh, ladder Mr. there. President, thank you. And the compare is now trying to rescue, oh. rescue him by, by talking event, until, he, until somebody can go up there and get him. The word him. thank you seems kind of inadequate. But for all the millions... Just, I mean, and, and there's, there's a hundred clips like this, obviously. Uh, there he is. He's, he's about to fall off the stage. So they have to pan away from him so that somebody President can catch Biden him. For your outstanding... This makes me sad. Yes. It, it does make me sad because he should be somewhere eating pudding in a retirement home somewhere. Well, yeah, and, and, and the point is that that's the guy leading a, a nuclear superpower. Oh, he's not leading it. This is the thing. He's not doing anything. Yes. Like, we're, 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 Biden's, Biden's administration is Obama 2.0. Can we just, like, you know, oh, every, everyone yeah. pulling the strings in the, in the, the back end are, are, are from Obama's administration. This man doesn't mm. know anything. He makes no decisions. He, he work, I think he's limited to a five-hour working day, which is... Patently absurd. I can't Quite impressive at his age and his level of dementia. But exactly, yes. yeah. Bless him. But the reason I bring up uh, Biden in sort of direct comparison to Putin is, um, according to YouGov, I found a poll that suggested that Putin has a 21% approval rating mm -hmm. in America. I, I suspect. Right. Biden has a 36% approval rating in America. Okay. So Putin is only 15 points behind Biden. In America. Do they dissect? Do they dissect like by age and sort of, you know, various demographics? Yeah. Which, where, where his support base in the US oh, I, lies? Because yeah. I suspect it's the probably cities. young men that are just sick of seeing kind of this infantilized political system that is yes. rife amongst the West. Where, well, it's not only infantilized, it's also very um, kind of centric, I suppose, mm. and very aged, very tame. Um, just well, a different kind the, of... The, the things that attract me to Putin is... is that he has a sort of a might want to put a caveat there because that's, that's, that's like the things yes. that attracted me to Putin. Well, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not not to be taken out of context is is he promotes his own national interest. He's got a strong sense of of Russia, 
which Western countries is, is almost illegal to be pro, pro-Western in Western countries now. This is why we love Eastern Europe in general. It's not just yes. Russia, of course. I mean, the people who love Putin or will post memes about him usually are obsessed also with Poland and in particular Hungary. Yes. Because both of their leaders, when they come out, whichever one's in charge, will be like, well, it's not in Hungarian interest, so no, we're not going to do it. I actually, I, w- I would go further and I would say that it's basically everyone but the West. I don't even think it's just. I mean, obviously, Putin is is, is an sure, example just, yeah. of that kind of um, ultra national. But I, I just I think genuinely, the the West has an acute um, problem of kind of an identity crisis that I don't see anywhere. You can meet someone from Ecuador, you can meet someone from Malaysia, you can meet someone from anywhere, and there's there's still a sense of sort of national identity and national pride. It just doesn't exist in the West, and and yes. and, and uh, you know, obviously, well, that, that's exactly what I'm picking up on. Yes, yeah. national pride and leadership and, and and confidence in yourselves as a people. Yeah. The reason um, I bring up those two is just because that's the ones that usually get given as an example. I mean, I guess maybe the leader of Singapore, I forget his name. Yeah. He's no longer in charge because I think he might be dead, actually. But the point oh, being. Lee Kuan. Yeah. yeah when yeah. do you ever hear a British politician say, actually, we won't invade Iraq because it's not in UK interest? America, if you want to, that's fine. We're just not paying a penny. Yes. Not interested. I mean, when yeah. will the British leader, whichever next war the Americans drag us into, will well, make we're, that we're a satrapy. I mean, the alternative would you be you'd go to the Americans normally and say, okay, we'll join you, but you need to give us a billion dollars per division. I mean, um, to an extent, they will never to, do to that. An extent, the yeah. French have that, to an extent. I mean, mm. but they've always had one eye elsewhere because of kind of the, the colonial past and all of that. But I, I, I think, yeah, well, yeah. But, the, but they've, they've, the they, thing they is, they've always had that. Even, even, even um, not Sarkozy, um, the guy that came after him, um, Hollande, this impotent, oh. impotent, like useless socialist, he still had a sense of that, yeah. right? That just doesn't exist in, I would say, the UK and certainly not the US anymore, mm. um, depending on where the election swings next year. The, the other thing that I think that, that he's done effectively is there is this, I mean, this, this is how politics really works. It, it, it's the friend-enemy distinction mm. that, that underlies all of this. And basically what, what's happened is, and, and, and this is something that really came out um, from a conversation I had, which is the same one I'm going to promote. John, I'm, I'm going to skip a couple of items. Let's just go to the, to the, the Brokenomics, which is coming out later today. Yeah, that one. So that, that's a segment I'm going to promote today. So it's it's the uh, brokenomics, uh, the the economics of empire with with Nima Parvini. We really got into this, this this distinction as to as to how politics operates, and effectively this whole thing that um, you know war is a continuation of politics by other means. We sort of discussed actually really no, it's the other way around. The war comes first because the friend enemy distinction comes first, and the friend enemy, enemy distinction is very clear, very useful for when you're. Um, fighting war. It's not very useful when you're trying to build bridges or, or opera theatres, all the rest of it. So you build this body of law up, but it has to work on the basis that we are all friends, that we're, we are all together on some sort of national project. And that is exactly the mechanism that's broken down in the West. The friend-enemy distinction has re-emerged, and it's particularly stark in the US at the moment, where basically you've got um, segments of America completely at war with each other. What Putin has done, which which is the the attractive thing in this sense, is he has had this sort of um, sort of iron fist and 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 brutal dictatorship and, and and murderous approach to all of these things, which is yes, fair. That's that's all good criticism, but he is he is basically united Russia as if you are going to operate in Russia today, you have to be a friend of Putin. Mutual and, interests are being continually defined, and I think he's yeah. more he's more upfront about it. I think the West isn't. Yeah, I think that's, exactly. That's what it boils down to. And once everybody's just, once everybody's now in the tent of being a friend of Putin, they can then get on with doing things in a cooperative fashion, which which just can't function in the West at the moment. Um, but that does mean that certain things basically just get pushed out of the political arena. Certain things that we're not going to discuss. So the criticism of, of Putin that you hear all the time um, is that he, he's not friendly enough to the LGBT. 
the alphabet people. Um, <laughs> so uh, so let, let, let's go to what Putin thinks about the gays. Uh, That's actually a video. What Putin thinks that this is. Oh my God. Yes. Let's hear him in his own. I don't even need to live dub this one because the BBC has done it for me. You know, I can't answer the part of your question about whether homosexuals are born or made. That is beyond my professional interest. I'm just not qualified to respond. I would like to draw your attention to the fact that in Russia, Unlike in one third of world's countries, being gay is not a crime. In 70 countries, there is criminal liability for homosexuality. And in seven of those countries, they have the death penalty for homosexuality. We have recently passed a law prohibiting propaganda, and not of homosexuality only, but of homosexuality and child abuse, child sexual abuse. But this is nothing to do with persecuting individuals for their sexual orientation. There is a world of difference between these two things, so there is no danger for individuals of this non-traditional sexual orientation who are planning to come to the games as visitors or participants. What about the, the Russian church people who have called for the return of criminal law against uh, homosexual people? Do you this support is that? Are you horrified by it? What's your attitude? In law, the church is separate from the state and has the right to its own point of view. I would also like to point out that almost all traditional world religions agree on this topic. Is the position of the Holy See different from that of the Russian Orthodox Church? Does Islam treat individuals with non-traditional sexual orientation differently? Actually, even But but you know, he, he makes a key point. I mean, in the West, you know, we we do all this promotion of of, of the alphabet people. We get the police with their you know their their, their cars with the rainbows out you know, plastered all over them. They don't, they don't park those cars outside a mosque, do they? No. They're not pushing that. And as, and as soon as as soon as the Muslims push back on, um, you know, the, 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 the alphabet stuff in school, the pride flags in school, you know, they, 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 they won instantly. So we, we contain all of these, you know, weird contradictions. Whereas what Putin's done, he, he's basically just decided the line on several things and pushed them out of the political arena. So you can you can still do your um, you know your your um, special bedroom activities or whatever it is, but uh, you you just can't go around promoting them in schools. I think uh, the argument that people make is the personal is political, but you're right. You have yeah. to find a way to separate uh, the, the two because we have to find a way to coexist, right? Yes. I mean, with with respect to Russia, they doesn't they don't have to deal with the kind of demographics that the many Western countries do, where they don't have you know people from also. I mean, in Britain particularly, you have people from what used to be the empire all coexisting with different religions and different identities and all of that. I often tell people, you know, I... Actually, Callum, you mentioned to me earlier that they, they do have a... They've had a lot more diversity lately. Uh, no. So the Russian Federation is a big place. It has right. yeah. ethnic minority republics. Right. Which is obviously what makes it... It's not um, as Russian as people usually think. It's about 80-something percent 
but because the UK right. has become more and more diverse over time, we're not actually equaling them, even though they're a massive place that encompasses. Oh, okay. Because it was built in from the end of the Soviet Union. That okay. says more about us. Um, right. They used okay. to be way more diverse. So when they were in Russian Imperial Empire, the Russians were actually a minority in the huh. empire. Okay, interesting. Um, but yeah, it's a, how do we coexist? How do we coexist with people that want to, you know, wave yeah. the pride flag around and, you know, traditional... But, but, but I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just more Jews bothered by the... Don't by, want their kids exposed to that sort of thing. I mean, how do yeah. literally, how do we coexist? But I'm just more concerned with the with the um, contradictions that we have on this stuff. You oh, know, yeah. we, we, we have these sort of, you know, the, the, the Muslims versus the alphabet people contradictions that we just sort of, you know, pretend aren't happening. Notice how it's, sort of notice how it's Muslims, not Christians, even though we technically live in a Christian country. Yeah. Um, which, again... This is the UK and the Anglosphere again, because yes. I mean, you're correct to point out that, look, Putin sits here and tells you the obvious truth, which is, you know, lots of these countries, it's illegal to be... Mm. All the world religions agree on this, so I don't know why you're acting like this is so unusual. But he's not the only one. I mean, again, all of the Eastern European countries that people will promote on the same sort of lines, they've done the same thing where they say, okay, well, no homosexual propaganda. Mm. Hungary got criticized for this. And then when people said this will oppress homosexuals who want to live normal lives, it ended up um, oppressing people who wanted to make, well, uh, yeah. fallacies in kids' faces. That, that logic doesn't... That logic doesn't um resonate with me I, either that or someone hasn't explained it to me properly how would not having anything to do with a sexuality any sort of uh, uh, you know the I argument goes that, that how is that oppressing you so the argument goes that oh you want to be against homosexual propaganda what you really mean is hating gay people so you're going to stop telling kids that gay people exist and therefore they're going to go up and confuse the gay kids but yeah. why does it but, have to be one or the other why can't it just be well it never actually happens because that's not what the law says well because law it's, says, it's, it's the same as the first segment it's, it's, a, it's a massive grift Whereas what Putin's doing here is he's basically just saying, look, that is out of the political sphere. You know, we're, we're not going to waste our energies on this, which they can apply their energies. I mean, to the argument else. that people make is that in sort of in kindergartens and in, in sort of when teaching young children, they talk about traditional families so mommy and daddy and all of that. And then their argument is, why can't we have mommy and mommy and, and daddy and daddy? And I'm like, OK, let's have it this way. Teachers can stick to math, geography, science, uh, history and all the rest of it. You leave yeah, anything nice. to do with morality and sexuality at home but then their argument is that, oh well then some kids don't learn it was like that, that's not your prerogative you're not yes. the parent of the child and i yes. keep pushing this not because one well one it's a parental rights issue but also you should be questioning why you think teachers should have the power to teach these kids these things when it really should be in the domain of the home and the values yeah. and the culture that the parents want to and, raise and why, why, why do they feel the need to push this stuff so so much anyway that, and, I mean, that's and, what I find uh, and, the, and the other criticism they always make of Putin is his, his tight grip on the media which I'm, I'm sure that's true to, to an extent but look what, what we've got over here is we've what, got in Western media or media in Russia well the, 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 the Western criticism of, of Putin is going to be that he's, his tight grip on media and, and he's controlling the news flow and all that kind of stuff I don't know to where, what extent where? that's true where, where are in they the Russian in Russia yeah. okay, okay. But, uh, but I mean over here you know we've got, we got Julian Assange rotting in prison on false charges for, for decades. We've got cancellations. We've got demonetized. I mean, we've been demonetized here. We, we, we had a decent chunk of our revenue just snapped away from it because we're not towing the party line on stuff. So, so the, the it's, it's not entirely dissimilar. Of course, it's worse yeah. than the Russian Federation press freedom. But I'm, I'm not even, trying to say they're better. I'm yes, just trying yes, to say we've, I, we've both saying, had it. But if you look at the launch of GB News, for example, the only television channel in this country that is not well, basically pro-establishment, de facto. Yeah, regime. The amount of abuse and harassment and, I, I mean, not from people whining on Twitter. Oh, from but, Ofcom and stuff. But yeah, not only Ofcom, but the state actors, current... politicians, and the advertisers being attacked. That yeah. being the main source of actually oppression in the West is destroying your ability to even operate financially, not just putting you in prison because that's too obvious. And so I, I kind of get annoyed when people are like, well, we're so different. It's like, 
Mm. We are different significantly, don't get me wrong, but we're not that different. Like the the it, it's freer in the United States than it is in the UK for sure. And well, the UK's got that problem again, where if you want to be actual opposition, it's not easy. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a pain. Well, at a minimum, if we're going to criticize Putin for this stuff, we shouldn't be doing it ourselves, just not doing it to a slightly lesser extent. But I mean, the, the, the whole criticism, all this stuff comes down to basically the idea that you know, we're a liberal democracy. And because we're a liberal democracy and, and, and Russia is a, is a dictatorship, that means we get to choose our priorities. We get to choose what we that's, want. That's, we, that, we that's get to have our say. I mean, I was having a conversation with, with a man who runs a think tank. And I, I was saying, you know, when you take a hardline position and say, we are, you know, the arbiters of freedom, we are a liberal democracy and all of that, you have to uphold certain standards. Be because be, because if yes. not, you cannot go like James Clever going to Russia, um, China, be like, oh, by the way, let's, let's, you know, have a more intimate economic relationship. But bad you for doing what you do to the Uyghurs. It's, you know, you, you can't... <laughs> Normative values in international relations is a, is a tricky thing because you you just can't have it because economic interests usually trump. Well, because any we, sort of we we put, every, we put everything into the political sphere and we've drawn no hard lines on anything like yeah. like Putin is here. So you know when we say we're, we're liberal democracy, we get to choose what we want. So so can I have justice for the you know the nineteen thousand girls raped in South Yorkshire? No, I can't. You know can can I have pride kept out of schools? You know no, I can't. Can I have less immigration like we've been promised repeatedly? No, I can't have that. Can I can I say no to you, Les, or fifty? minute cities or and even when zero. you win politically get the votes to have immigration lowered it still goes up I, I yeah, think I exactly. think the overarching question is who gets to control the Overton window because the reality is once it's become accepted that you know this this line of speech or this line of thought no. can be disseminated to the public that's when you uh, that's when the needle st- starts but, to move. that's but, what I've noticed so who who gets to control that who gets well, to well the, the, the power is the with the globalists you know we, we have a we have a prime minister who is, who is literally a globalist installed leader you know we uh, Boris Johnson won an election uh, and he was ousted uh, Liz Trust sort of won an election. I know it was only Conservative members, Internal. but then she was ousted, and, and we got a globalist put in. And we're about to have, um, you know, we're going to swap the blue team for the red team, and we're going to have another globalist, a member, a literal member of the Trilateral Commission, who said he was more comfortable in Davos than he was in a in a British pub. So, you know, we, we are ruled by a dictatorship. They just muddy everything and throw everything into the political and have us fighting amongst ourselves constantly, as opposed to this model where some guy just says yes and no, and then basically they get to... They get I have to unlimited get on terms with. and I win every election. Yeah. Well, at least you know where you stand. But, but it's, it's more honest than the, yeah. than the I mean, globalist but, uni party that we have that wins every election and just says that we get to, we get to decide, but we don't. Even when I we think, do I think, that, I think things are shifting definitely slower in the West. And I think definitely the kind of a tie, the, the, the appeal of kind of the globalist agenda is more potent in English-speaking countries, English-speaking Western countries than the West in general. So you'd mm. have, you know, Germany that's probably a bit more, uh, well, it has the issue of the EU to deal with. But you have countries, I mean, like France, for instance, that, can, that have a bit more leeway there. But I do think it's mainly English-speaking Western countries. Yeah. Um, the, the issue is we effectively have to take America's lead. And the more America realizes that it's in their best interest to be more regional or have more, um, kind of regional priorities and well, more nationalist, it, I guess. As long as the region doesn't extend to... Well, yeah. the thing is, region, region will, become, will shrink geographically. So you're yeah. going to look at sort of the, the kind of... Um, Canada, um, Mexico, America alliance become more pronounced in, in the next years because as a, as a supply chain that, shift that will probably that, happen by default because exactly. China will become a regional superpower and become an uncontested regional but there's, superpower there's, there's a lot of force America to become a regional superpower. Yeah, exactly. There's so, a lot of literature to suggest that a lot of countries are actually putting their regional and national interests first. I mm. mean, that's that's kind of the evolution of, of, of yes. 
prioritizing your national interest. Look at India. India's yes. bought up a whole lot of cheap Russian oil and gas and they're selling it on to the West. Yeah they're, yeah, they're just passing it through and, and, and like, marking exa- up. Exactly. So, is Indians know, extra- explaining to us how arbitrage works? I think the frustration is when you live in the UK and you look at the likes of the Sunaks and the Borises and all of yep. that, you don't feel like there's hope. Well, well, but my, actually, on, my, my, cent- my central frustration is that we're told we live in a democracy where we get to pick what goes on and we're not. It's a globalist dictatorship. And, and that, this is another dictatorship but it's just more honest. And, and actually, the set of values behind it, which are more masculine and nas- nationalistic, is like, you know, go Russia. You know, I, I just kind of think, well, why, why can't we have some of that energy I, I, here? I have a theory because I think that people... So you know how um, people say that they're too, having too much choice is not a good thing because yes. you become overwhelmed and you kind of try and look yes. for a safety net somewhere with people that you trust or something like yeah. that. I think that's the same thing with, with what's happening in the West. There is a plethora of, of, of political thought and, and choices you can make, but people are only exposed to a little bit of it because the, whoever controls the Overton window on what's acceptable mm. discussion is saying, actually, these are far right views or far left oh, views yes. that must be phased out of public discourse as much as possible, which is why you see the rise of independent media creators like yes. that still try and disseminate it um, as much as they can. And I think that's the fundamental issue. I don't think people think that they're allowed to want you know, certain things. But I don't think people are allowed yes. to want no immigration or stop the boats or, or uh, you know, I don't know, a masculine uh, leader or whatever it is that, that can, you know, that takes their fancy. And I think that's mainly the issue. Yeah. And and and, and because it's, it's zapping our, our national confidence, and I just wanted to end on on a um, uh, on a counterexample of the positive sort of com- cultural confidence that you're seeing. Let's play this video. I love this one. We've got the sound. Better with the sound. But these women are very hot. Is it, what, what is it with that hot Russian women? This is a, a sort of. Not a lizard. In fact, Callum, Callum, can you can you can you explain <laughs> what's going on here, Callum? Oh wait, the music. Okay, but they're very hot. Can I just? <laughs> has no one else noticed how sexy these women are? My main thought is that's a party where I should be. I think. Okay, so if you pause the audio. I'll explain the context here if I can. So yeah. my understanding is that is a, an event put on by United Russia, which is Putin's party. Uh, right. The reason there are all women in the front is because that's just good camera work. Get the women, they look good. Um, the worked. reason there's such good looking women in Russia is because it's Russia. That it is true. <laughs> it's a significant problem they have that every woman is a 10 out of 10 in the cities. It's madness. Oh, that, that must be an awful problem. It's to have. Oh, I mean, terrible. You'd hate that, wouldn't you? Not, yeah. not a Lizzo sized woman inside. It's uh, horrific, I'm sure. But the thing they're singing there is I'm Russian, which is a song by uh, a pop singer who's very popular yeah. with the Kremlin. So it is a party event. Do not get this wrong. This is not some yes, spontaneous but, but can, event. Can you imagine but, young conservatives doing that? No. I mean, the young conservatives don't have much charisma, in my experience, don't have much charisma to yes. do that anyway. But even, even if, let's take the, the most critical example of the young conservatives. Let's say they're all ugly uh, creatures who have uh, very little patriotism in them. I still can't imagine them all standing there and singing Land of Hope and Glory in this a patriotic way. Look at, the, look at the strong cultural energy, the passion. It's just, we just don't have any of this. Even if it's the ruling party's events. Yes. Yeah, and, okay. and we, we, we need a little bit more faith in ourselves. So, you know, I don't like Putin, but he has got some things right. Yeah. All right. Try to figure out what I should and shouldn't say in that. I didn't want to interrupt, interrupt you. Uh, yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> well, he, hi- he highlights, I suppose, in his own warped way, he highlights a lot of the deficiencies of the West, which I think is a fair criticism. Um, he makes us look bad by comparison. Yes, I mean, I think it's ludicrous that I, an immigrant, I'm, I'm the person that has to keep telling people in this country, you guys have a really... Good. Don't destroy it. Be proud. Like, you know, I yeah. just, you know, th- those are the kinds of things I'm like. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. It's, it's a very good friend of mine. He's um, ethnic Russian. I met his dad recently. 
in Russia. He has a job in Manchester and then has a house back in Russia. Anyway, so I'm speaking to him and he just says to me, like, please, Callum, you need you people need to rise up and fix your own country. We can all see it from the outside. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. We shall move on. To the people profiting. Because of course, um, we spoke about the corruption in our system, the fact that it's really broken on a lot of levels. And we wouldn't have time to go into people profiting from every kind of broken part of our system. So I'll focus specifically on a story about those profiting from the sea people. The, uh, the, sea, the sea people. people uh, you know what? <laughs> These nicknames. Okay. Will you get the reference to the sea people or not? The, the sea people. What, the channelites? Uh, no, but yes. <laughs> that, I mean, that sounds cooler. That sounds like something out of Star Wars. But the sea people are a real thing in history and now for us in real terms. And um, well, they've been invading the UK and the response from the British government has not been one of a country that puts its own interests first, which would be, you're a criminal, we put you back in France, which is what the Hungarians do with anyone crossing from Serbia. Instead, we just give them money. Well, we don't give them the money, do we? We take some rich friend of ours who's a friend of the government, if we're the government, and say, okay, we'll give you a contract, hells all these people, we give you a loads of money, yeah. and then you give us kickbacks. This is the pure corruption in a specific example in our country. And we can see how it really works, because thankfully, we now have the deets. We'll start off by promoting something on blowseers.com, this being Ted Kaczynski's manifesto. Uh, <laughs> It's entirely unrelated, by the way. I just needed something to promote. <laughs> to be clear, we're not we're not promoting Kaczynski's manifesto. It's an explanation. We, 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 of... We're promoting a discussion of the yes. manifesto. Yes, the that's industrial important. society uh, and its future and uh, its consequences. Anyway, but the whole other thing. Let's go to our society, which is insane. I mean, this is just to make the point that it's not just this. There's obviously lots of other things I could endlessly speak. Oh on. yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. People listening, we're looking at Turning Point UK tweeting out. A uh, image which was a hand putting a ballot in the Welsh elections. It was a white hand. And for some reason, the BBC blacked up the hand because, well, it's, it's run by insane people. They, they literally huff glue. Well, and again, I, to, I your, never to your earlier point, this. this is something that only Europeans Oh, do. yeah. So, well, honestly, if, I, if, if, you, <laughs> if you dropped me, yes. if you dropped me in the UK and I didn't know where I was and I just turned on to TV and I was looking at ads, mm. I would think I was in Brazil. Yes. Because every couple is some sort of mixed race. So, even so though that, they make up 3% right, of the So that's British the thing population. that gets me. And it's always a black man and a white woman. woman yeah. It is never a black woman and a white, white man. Guy, yeah, exactly. A, 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 a guy in his 60s with a 20-year-old tie bride. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's, <laughs> tie bride! <laughs> It's it's never realistic. It is literally always a black man. No, a black man and a white, white woman. woman yeah. Why? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, I I question the motive behind it. Why do they feel the need to do this? Look, I don't have a problem yes. with it. People are people, whatever. But it's it's you know, if I went if I went back home to Ghana and I saw like sort of makeup billboards and all the women on it were Korean, I would have questions because West African well, women that, don't look Korean. You, you wouldn't get a Nigerian election advert ad where they white white yeah, it up. This the is hand. the thing. So I yeah. I question why. I mean, it's, you know, yeah, multicultural and multicultural in your face. I get, I get it, but it's, it's cringy and it doesn't mm. seem necessary. And it, for me, I, oh. I suspect there is, there is, I, I, I don't understand the reasoning behind it because I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't think it's necessary. I mean, your example is very good, which is if you went to Ghana and then saw they changed them off for Koreans. You'd, yeah, all the makeup ads and everything. And then you went and met the people who had done this. You'd probably find that they're all politically captured in some new age, ridiculous political worldview that Koreans are the super race I just, or something. I, find it... I mean, that would be the only possible explanation. But the thing is, whenever people say like, oh, I was, I was in a room with like so many white people, I'm like, you know, Britain is a Northern European country. What do you think Northern European? <laughs> well, if you live like? in like, London, 90%. Might. But yeah. this is the thing. But London is not the UK. And I say this as someone who lives in, like it's... It, it's not representative of the entire United Kingdom, and I don't un- I don't understand this kind of insecurity around that. 
I don't understand the insecurity. No, because we're run by psychopaths. But I mean, but it's I mean, not a psychopath strange. who does this is a like, psychopath. Look, it doesn't offend me. I just don't get it personally. I but don't understand it. Before I move on from this, there is actually your point of the idea of um, a African country whiting up. It it did happen. Oh, really? Um, the Nigerian government had to pass a law, in fact. To insist that I think oh, it was, okay, I stand corrected. Uh, they said that uh, oh, was it was skin bleaching. It was about well, no, they kept having white people in the adverts, so they passed a law saying eighty percent of all Nigerian adverts must have uh, oh, black people in them yeah. because they they kept doing it to be like <laughs> you know African reasons. But getting back into it, because I didn't want to have a conversation about this particular problem. It's just to demonstrate there is insanity on all fronts in our society because of the people who run it. But yes. the migrant situation we can most easily explain. Because, I mean, the previous one, I mean, that's just people who are off their rocker. I mean, if they were sniffing meth, they would have more of a reason to do what they're doing than why they're actually doing it. But here's the story. Hotel tycoons, security firm bosses, I uh, can't read that word because I'm stupid. Uh, just Cra- <laughs> some Oh, crash managers. Crash managers? Yeah, crash. Like ba- ba- oh, that's how you write Like that. kindergartens, like babies, basically. Uh, yeah, nurseries. I've only ever seen Nurseries, that. that's it. I've only ever heard that word. That's, yeah, it's that's French. It's actually French. So I have an accent. Oh, on that's then. a good thing. I'm never learning it then. Uh, just some of the scores of people ranking monstrous sums every single day through the asylum seeker crisis. Of course, none of these people. So, think so this dude seeker. is getting fourteen million a day for looking after the sea people. We will find worse. So the sea people, um, of course, I, I've, I've been and met them. I went to Serbia and I went to a migrant camp and interviewed the guys, and all of them said they were coming to the UK uh, because of money. Oh, yes. Right. So you have to excuse me for anyone who's not familiar. I don't give a crap about these people because when you ask them why they came, they are not fleeing war or persecution. They are not someone. Well, the overwhelming majority are economic migrants. And I know this because I hate that. Genu- I can't. Genu- genuine asylum seekers well, don't have money to be paying people smugglers and all of that. I mean, sorry, yes. sorry to be a bit rude, but because I've had this myself where I've started saying like uh, irregular migration and these weasel words that are always in the media that we pick up. Economic migrant. What the hell does that mean? It's just that, they're coming. That's a guy who. Yeah. Like that's a guy that broke into your country because he wants your money. Is like, I'm sorry if someone breaks into my house and then is like, give me job. Well, the thing Shh, is, like, get I, out. I, I, I think economic migrant. I, I don't know if it's the nice word because what what would you call it? Commercial migrant because clearly there's a financial incentive for them a difference, to move. But that, that word it never gets applied to someone who has come for a job through the legal means. Like if I apply for a work visa to the UK and get one, like I'm usually described You're an expat. as expat. Yeah, or expat or some word like this. Economic migrant only ever gets described to Mohammed from Morocco. Oh, I see what you mean. The dichotomy is <laughs> yeah, strange. He couldn't okay, find a good enough sense. paying yeah. job as in like, he had a job that paid for his rent in his life and he was earning money if he saved it instead of spending it on booze. But he just couldn't be bothered, so he thought he'd break into Spain. Yeah, that's... okay. I, I see I see your point. Uh, it doesn't trans... Okay, so what... And that's what, the what people we, I met in Serbia. What would we just... say... What would we call it? Um, pff, bastards. Um... <laughs> I mean, the thing is, like... Well, the I, old term is illegal alien. So I, I would use that one because it's... Um, actually, I, to be honest, I think illegal migrant is fine. But the thing is, people that, people that say, oh, no one is illegal. Well, you're moronic because the definition of illegal in this context is someone who doesn't enter the UK via a port of entry. Like a, like an airport, for instance, or like an actual port, like legally, the legal route. So I think it's, yeah, I think illegal migrant is fine. I, I'd prefer criminal entrant or something like that. because it's, Well, yeah, yeah. or that, yeah. Piss take or and anything the, else. So. Well, I know this is uncomfortable to say, but the, the vast majority of them are men. It's not the vast majority of are young men. Ninety nine percent. I mean, it's, yeah. it's uncomical, frankly. I mean, I, I think you know, if you're genuinely but, fleeing a war zone, you should be ashamed that you're leaving women. I, I, I think there is a good I, I, reason why the overweight forty year old feminists are so in favour of, of of this kind of immigration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't want to get in a whole debate about that situation because yes. uh, we, we all are well aware how criminal this all is. Yes. Although Care for Cali having sex with their clients is a whole other concept. Okay. But I want to talk about the millionaires here who are just taking the piss, frankly. And I can make a 
defense of them, which is, well, you Good know. on them. Make money off government incompetence. Screw it. The government's going to give me money for selling out the country. Why not become a millionaire while it sinks? But that argument kind of loses steam when we've seen hotels across the country who were offered these million pound contracts and went, screw you to the central government. We've been through various small run uh, places that are called like the White Heart or something else. You know, these homely hotels who were offered, here's two million quid a year for housing these people who are taking the piss just to get them off our back. And these tiny little run businesses all went yeah. and, and well, because those people are patriotic. Business. Yeah, but these people are not just heroes. They're like patriotic prophets or something. Mm. Like they're actually living and showing us the way of how to defend your own nation in a day-to-day sphere. And these individuals um, decided, I like money. So we'll read this. With Britain facing a permanent migrant backlog, costing the taxpayer five billion pounds now a year. Used to be, used to be in the millions. Anyway, so the industry has become rather profitable, they write. Such companies will inevitably reap more dividends as the Home Office continues to struggle with enacting the law and uh, says they now have 175,000 foreigners in the system. Uh, that's going to up another 20,000 this year, 5,000 this month alone. I mean, I think yesterday had the highest number of immigrant intake in one day. Yeah, it's, it's funny mm-hmm. what happens when you set up a system where you need guaranteed customers to keep the corrupt flow of cash. And, and you make coming. many people along that chain incredibly rich for doing so. So, well, well, I mean, I mean, who are they? I mean, the, of, of these people. Yeah, this one here. This is Debbie. Debbie. Debbie, <laughs> Debbie I'm sure, you know, she, you know, keeps the, the, the house rather well. There we are. I, I'm, I'm a fan of her gardening. Um, dress sense. That's that's lovely. I'm sure she bakes wonderful cakes. But Debbie, um, well, you did choose the money, didn't you? So you deserve the scorn, which is she gets paid 2.2 million pounds a year to facilitate this. Wow. The way she facilitates it is providing accommodation to these people who are breaking into our country because we literally will give them free money by the state. It's not us. It's the state, of course, stealing our money. But they write about her life here. Should we read a little bit about her life? Glad, glad she's doing well. Uh, she and her husband, Peter, have used the profits to fund a lavish lifestyle, which includes a string of exotic trips to events such as the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and uh, jaunts to Dubai, uh, Bhutan, the Indian Taj Mahal as well, among them. Uh, Debbie and her husband live in a three million pound converted mill in West Yorkshire with a swimming pool, jacuzzi and a basement wine cellar. That's, that's nice. That uh, is th- a beautiful garden. Honestly, I, I'm very jealous. I love the lake. Mm. They also linked the property to a cottage via a glass spiral staircase. That's nice. I love, love interior design like that. That's fantastic. Aside from its rich pickings from the home office, uh, Keldar, the company she runs, was reported to have been in secret talks in 2020 with the Ministry of Justice to take 2,000 prisoners to a Butlins holiday camp in Skegness uh, to ease the prisons. Uh, obviously, that was not proper and, in my opinion, um, retarded. So that plan was scrapped, thankfully, although I wouldn't be surprised if the government did go through with it in the end. But thankfully, they didn't. Um, the, the house you can see here with its lovely garden there, I mean, for people listening, um, the word heaven comes to mind. Mm, that's for, a perfectly manicured garden. I mean, if you picture your life in heaven and it's a, you know, a huge house with a massive... I mean, that is it, really. That's the view. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you say she's getting two million a year. I mean, even if you're getting 200 million a year, you probably wouldn't do much better than that. No? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the upper ceiling. Well, for some reason, um, they listed some more information in the Daily Mail here. Uh, they obviously can't give you the postal code, and also I won't because that would be a crime. Um, but I did manage to find out where she lives from the yeah. data given. And so I looked up where she lived. Um, for some reason, Debbie and Peter over here, who live quite the nice life facilitating uh, the illegal invasion, um, again, not their fault. The government's going to give them the money. Why not take it? You could argue. Um, you could argue that. Yeah. 
Well, they decided to live in an area that's 92.5% white British. Oh, shocker. Okay. Hmm. That's going to be a running theme, in case you're wondering. I love that the government did give us the ethnic data map. I don't know if you've seen it. It's quite fun. They, they didn't put themselves in an apartment next to the hotel then. Which has a... oh, they would never. They, they disturb their sleep. You think that they would be anywhere near such people is probably how they'd phrase it. They're not the only ones. There's the contract king. This guy is the uh, best of the best, let's say, in terms of moneymaker. Uh, he runs Clearspring. Million. 25 million quid a year. So um, that's uh, two point something million a month. So uh, what's that? About a half a million a week. So he's on a footballer wage. There we are. Um, Clearsprings, in case you're wondering, they got given the license to run all of the uh, accommodation for the south of England. So you know how you might cut up, you know, drug territory about which cartel gets which turf? Um, for some reason, the government decided to do the same scheme. Assuming and, uh, assuming the civil servants that facilitated this are not completely incompetent, that would mean that this is probably the cheapest way they could do it. There was some accusations assuming. that yeah. for some reason, some of the civil servants, particularly the permanent secretaries, were having meetings with the people who run the various companies. Um, for some reason, they didn't pay a bill when they had these meetings at five-star hotels in London. Didn't influence their decisions, I'm sure. Anyway, so for some <laughs> reason, they offered uh, the entire south of the English, well, land to this man to operate these. So he, he's the sea people czar for the south? Yes, he is. Um, again, I, I like that, czar. His, yeah. his um, fiefdom is completely legal um, and gets 25 million out of it. Uh, the 2021 budget, uh, the firm's takings from the Home Office, uh, came out of the government's foreign aid budget for some reason, which amounted to half a billion pounds. Well, so I suppose at least if it's money that we're just going to throw away anyway. You know, yeah. might as well make um, this Blofeld you know chat. Who should, you know who should be the most infuriated by this? Homeless people. Yes. Like homeless, honestly. like well, uh, Homeless that, veterans as well. Yeah, honestly. Well, yes. I mean, yes, certainly. But just homeless people in general. Because in as much as I, I'm like, obviously you're not entitled to anything in this life. You have to work for everything you get. It's just the audacity to do this. Mm. I mean, personally, I might be the most angry man alive about this right now. And you're not even homeless. Yeah. No, I mean, to be fair, how's <laughs> so homeless all, Imagine all you had to do was to come across a boat and, I don't know, be called like Mahmoud from somewhere. You know what I mean? Well, you, you say he's not homeless, but he, he doesn't own a house either because... Yes. Um, so, yes. Well, in Afghanistan, so, I met some of these people. Yes. They own houses. They have families in Afghanistan. Yeah. You know why they came to Europe? Because Mama Merkel said come and they did. Yeah. And uh, the two or was guys... It two million or one million? Yeah, the two guys that did met in Afghanistan who did this, um, they told me that they did it just because they could. What was the figure of, of, of the migrant influx in Germany? Was it one million or millions two million? Millions and millions. Oh, in Germany? Yeah. Oh, it, was, the, it, was, it was well over a million. One percent of their population per year came. And their population is, what, like 50 mil? So it's about 5 mil? So Yeah, yeah that's, that's... Well, that's, German, Germany's population is around 80 mil. Oh, it was 8 million. Yeah. So I remember it was 1% of the pop. So. Good Lord. That's, that's fantastic. Anyway, again, what does this man do for his life? Well, he gets half a million... Sorry, half a billion pounds from the government. So that's our money. Right. Uh, he took it out of the foreign aid budget. Who gives a crap, frankly, about that? Um, so you got that. We directed the foreign aid. The foreign aid is now on our shores. Took we must aid the foreign on our shores. <laughs> <laughs> took 25 million for himself. So, I mean, my point being, you ever noticed how the people making bank don't care about the destruction of the country? And we do because we live next to sorry, his hotels, actually. Two of them are near my house. So yes. thanks, Graham. Anyway, here's uh, a 56-year-old who has a personal share of the profits. Uh, 25 million there per year. 
uh, meaning that he received more than the British colony of Ghana in foreign aid. Uh, I don't know if you can advise us. Does Ghana actually ever need foreign aid? Uh, certainly more than this man. Well, <laughs> the, <laughs> certainly more than the people coming across here. I yes. can tell you that much. Um, I mean, even though most of it gets gobbled up by our politicians, but I will not say that. Well, the I same change thing. my mind. Instead of calling them sea people, can we call them floaters? I think I like that better. I prefer sea people. Float, float, flo- well, floaties. You know what like sea people? Floaties. Yes. Oh, that sounds like a turd. So I don't think. You no, that, that, yeah, yeah, no, that you, was do you not know what sea people oh, means? What? You don't know what sea people means either. Uh, oh, go on then. I've become the classicist over here. <laughs> bigoted about no one knowing the classics. They're the people, no. they're the people who cause the Bronze Age collapse. So, uh, okay, we're going to go on a story time now, folks. Okay, Ignore okay, the okay, news. Okay, okay, sure. So there was once upon a time a bunch of Bronze Age civilizations. They were doing lovely. Okay. And then for some reason, the historical record of them just disappears. Like Everything collapsed out of the blue. Okay. These complex civilizations. Okay. And everyone wondered why. But one of the reasons is that these people came from the sea Nobody has any idea where they came from. They're a completely almost mythical group of people, but they are real for sure. They turned up and just plundered and destroyed every civilization they came across until the Egyptians miraculously survived a few battles with them. And this is like an apocalyptic event for all of humanity at the time. Anyway, so these people who come into the Europe and then destroy everything, I think are kind of apt. Sea people. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but uh, so this guy here, he also sends his son and daughter to a £44,000 a year boarding school. Mm. That's 88 grand. On the cheap. Yeah. That's, that's, we paid for that. Yep. He also listen, lives... you know what? I admire, <laughs> I mean, listen, my moral compass wouldn't let me do this, but I admire people who, who, who do. Um, because at the end of the day, the fault lies with the government, right? For, for just making yep. this happen. It does. I, I've often said, you know, the difference between the asylum acceptance rate upon first uh, application in Europe is about 37%. In the UK, it's 77%. It doesn't take a rocket scientist yeah. to get why they're choosing to try their luck with the UK, even though they're coming from mainland Europe. Well, they're, they're, they're queued up on the northern border of France. They're already in France. So well, ex- exactly. There. But yeah, exactly. Why, why would you not trade, you know, 37% for 73%? Obviously. 77%. 77%. So, but the, but the solution here is refuse more and turn them away. Yes. It really is not that difficult. Or, or, or just trebuchet them back into the sea or something. I don't know. Mm. Human so, rights, human rights. So Graham operates two hotels right near my house. Um, they're both are full of the sea people and uh, he gets money for doing that. My money. Because I'm paying taxes. Um, should we check out where he lives? Oh. Wanna guess? Does he live in Essex? It's as not well. next to his hotels, is it? He lives, he lives in like South End, South End on Sea or something. He lives in a listed mansion in rural Essex. Um, this isn't doxing him for anyone who's wondering, because rural Essex is a large area. So I just took a random part of rural Essex. There you are. 93.5% white British. Weird. Weird, weird, weird how he never wants to live next to what he made me live through. Because those hotels used to have people who were tourists in, and now I live next to people who are not tourists. Thanks, Graham. Anyway, there's also some other funniness about Graham specifically. He's the one who's taking the most money, so we'll focus on him the most. He actually made a pledge to his own friends. None of them will live near us. <laughs> South Essex, no refugees here pledge. This is from Graham himself, Clear Springs Management, as you can see there. Um, he's talking about his holiday camps that he runs for him and his friends and clients, in which, um, d- d- don't worry, don't worry. We won't have those riffraff. We stick them in Swindon or London or wherever the hell else I don't live. Oh, there we are. I mean, again, you can say that he's a you know businessman, but uh, I don't know. I don't think patriotic about these people. I would argue. Back to these uh, individuals. I found I've got stronger words. Anyway, there's a hotel billionaire as well. Sorry, I think millionaire. He's not quite a billionaire. This guy here, uh, his fortune is 250 million pounds. Um, he gets 100 grand a day in profit. <laughs> what? That's that's a nice chump change. That's uh, that's going well. Um, there's also Winston Churchill's grandson. He's he's also one of the people. 
uh, basically not a patriot. I think you cannot be described a patriot after doing this. After so many hotels did turn down the money, he make quite a lot less than £4.4 million a day. Rupert, you, you think about your granddad? No. Uh, he's educated in Eton and Oxford, and then was a member of the Bullingdon Club, because of course the, the, the male being the male, that's how they're going to phrase it, which isn't too unfair either. Um, I, I've mentioned previously the reason I'm doing this as well. I, I will always say something like, oh, the millionaires who run our country who never have to interact with these problems. When talking about a local man, local man happens to stab someone to death near where we live or something like that. Um, yeah, these are who I'm talking about. I'm not some leftist who's like, the millionaires and billionaires. Who are they? Well, not me, but I am a millionaire, says Bernie. Uh, no, I, I, mean, I mean these individual human beings. Right? We have the list. I remember when we were talking about the shadow people who run the American government, and uh, the New York Times said, I can't believe Carlson says this of the American system, that it's run by shadowy oligarchs. Now, here's the list of people he names. And it was like, you know, Bill Gates, yeah. Soros, uh, etc. Darlings. How could he say that these people run America? I mean, look at them. They're all billionaires who run America. It, it, it doesn't work, this, this weird argument against the right, because, you know, we'd come with receipts normally as to who they are. But, you know, it, it's, it's quite telling because, I mean, obviously these people are not acting in the nation's interest, clearly, only their own. But even the people that kind of, I would say, are in the media circles, many of whom are, I would call the M25 elite, many of whom I meet, I often tell them, you never have to be near the problems that you create with your ignorance that you disseminate in the media. You live in Hampstead. You live in, you know, Bell Size Park. You live in cushy areas in North and, and West London. And you never actually have to deal with the, the problems that you create. And you've never had an interaction with the British immigration system. So you don't even know what you're talking about. You don't know how distasteful this is for legal immigrants. You don't know how much of a drain it is on society, on social cohesion. You don't have to think about any of that. You just say no one is illegal and then take your 400 quid a day. It must be very frustrating just being lumped legal migrants being lumped in with illegal oh, migrants course. as if there's no difference. But the, but the thing is, for various reasons, obviously because, you know, we came the legal way, but also the motivations are completely different. Like, yep. people that come legally have a different kind of respect for the country they're entering. You would hope oh. that they come with, with well, you, you values would, that resonate with British yeah, you culture. Wouldn't, you wouldn't move to somewhere that you fundamentally didn't like. Well, of, of course. And I mean, this is, I mean, one of the points I made about Brexit was actually you should probably it's probably in the country's best interest to have more uh, relate, deeper ties and relations with countries that were formerly part of, of the empire and now part of the Commonwealth yep. because they share the same language. They share the same culture and religion and all of that. It, 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 in terms of social cohesion, it just makes more sense. But obviously people that are not interested in any of that, that are interested in just taking their money and living in, in North London, they're more concerned with just saying these people are not illegal. And I find that extremely frustrating. Well, they just don't know what's real, as you correctly Oh, yeah. I mean, my go-to example, for example, is uh, ji Park. She's a conservative councillor candidate. Um, she's North Korean. She had a couple of kids. Um, for some reason, if we sent her back to North Korea, she might have been in trouble. Yeah. So maybe we've got maybe. her, and then you've got Mohammed who broke in because money. Yeah, I mean, for some reason, one of these people isn't illegal and one of them is. The question I have, because a lot of these people destroy their paperwork upon entry. So yeah, where Gillian do you Park send them didn't. back to? Well, you send them back France. to France. So if you could get the French government to agree that, yes, he obviously came from you. We watched him on the camera. Uh, you actually escorted him to our waters. You know, your boat there. But whole other conversation. Just to get back to the individuals making money. This guy here, um, Winston Churchill's grandson, who uh, does not care about the country his father defended. Uh, he lives, um, funnily enough, again, in an area that is 99% white British. Uh, somewhere very is north. in Scotland? Yes, in oh. Scotland. <laughs> I got it right. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? These people uh, have a... Oh, he lives in Inverness. Should we talk about the people who interact with the system? Because you brought them up. Yeah. People who do. Well, there's one guy in here who makes a lot of money out of the situation. And this guy is an outlier because he actually makes his money 
by running a company that deports people. And um, the mail lumped him in, which I thought was kind of funny. So his pay is uh, about six million pounds a month, sorry, a year, which, um, all right. Deporting who? We don't, we don't deport anyone. Well, they don't actually do much of the deportation, but they're holding for deportations that never happen. So he's the largest provider of immigration removal center management and escorting services to the Home Office, which currently has 13,000 detainees. That's 13,000 people who should be deported today. They won't be, but they're, they're, you know, they're in the process. He provides um, escorts to the Home Office. Yeah, so his staff actually engage with such people. Escorts. Not, no, no, not like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was, I just need clarification. We, offer them, we do buy them game systems and other entertainment, but not, as far as I'm aware, right. conjugal visit entertainment. Anyway, okay. so uh, he has 14 staff chiropractic services. who were recently Sorry. suspended. <laughs> These people were suspended for a racist WAP app, WhatsApp messages that they made. And, and they write here, including vile comments about Syrian refugees swimming to the UK. What do you mean? That, that's what they do. I, I was just about so, to say, I, yes. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's been footage of them getting off the yeah. boat and then swimming on shore. So I, I, I checked out The Guardian to see, because you always find it funny, there's a racist WhatsApp story, and they never tell you the WhatsApp messages, so I checked that out. So The Guardian have it. Uh, they write in here that one remark in the group was a comment of a photo of a Chinese restaurant with the clothes sign on, after the first COVID lockdown was announced. Mm-hmm. Is that it? That, that was it. That was it. Oh, I don't okay. Care. <laughs> I, I see. Because of the links between COVID. I mean, but, but that could be. But I don't care. That's not yeah, racist. Ex- exactly. Go, go That's kick- not. I yeah. mean, like, I, okay. I made you a, want to know I, the other racist message they put in there? Okay. They, they put in a photo of a, uh, uh, a dinghy with the caption, where's Gary Lineker's house? Uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, that is funny. Anyway, eight of them got suspended without pay. The rest suspended with pay. Th- those are rookie memes. <laughs> Got to pump yeah, up those. Yeah, those, those are definitely rookie memes. So I mean, this guy, yeah, he gets a free pass. There's some other millionaires on there. They're less important. The main yep. ones have been pointed out. My point being that there are millionaires making this money out of him. We can name them. It's it's not a case of shadowy figures. Uh, no, they're very much in the light. But just to end this off, um, which is that, well, that's my point. There are people making money out of every corrupt aspect of our society, and we can individually name them in articles such as this. There is nothing to hide here, exactly. And I'm, I'm sick of people thinking that this isn't the case of how we live. I mean, going back to that example from the BBC, a lot of people making money off that, and we can name them as well, but one instance at a time, because even this overran. It's I mean, this, make, this makes me sad, because you're ultimately betraying your country. Indeed. Um, and I guess, look, if you can make a few million or a few tens of million out of it, I guess most people wouldn't. Most people would become corrupt. Exactly, and take them but off. I don't know. I just, you it, shouldn't. It doesn't sit well with me at all. I mean, obviously, yeah. because it's corrupt and evil. But I mean, it would be hard to turn down twenty-five million a year. But yeah, you, but I also think again, oh, I don't know. Did you not look you, to the future? It's such, sh- it's such a shadow. Because yes. if they're making the people making this kind of money, don't necessarily they don't need it realistically. And I just think you're sending your kids to forty-four grand a year boarding schools. Uh, and I just think, don't you want them to grow up uh, in a society? Well, uh, at some point, they're going to have to leave those boarding yeah. schools and walk the streets with these. Exactly. Don't you want them to live in a society where people aren't like ripping each other's hair out and, and just being hostile to each other in a country that has an identity where people are actually proud to be here and not trying to tear down everything that yep. that makes Britain Britain? I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's very short-sighted. No. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Well, what's funny, uh, we'll end it there. I'll cut it out. But there's some... Um, 
Uh, I was watching an Andrew Tate short recently because you know he just never goes away in my shorts. I, I don't. I had to. I don't know how to get rid of it. It's impossible. At one point, it was just but, him. <laughs> he made a very good point actually in one of them that I was watching, which is the the global elite. I mean, the real reason Dubai exists is not actually for tourism; it's for global elite tourism because that's where all the money is. Yeah. So those kids growing up in that boarding school, they want to stay here. As soon as this country goes to hell, they just go to Dubai. Oh, yeah, of course. The rest. Of I them. mean, I know people that I work with that are like looking to. I mean, I'm talking politicians and all of that. People that are supposed to be serving this country, they're looking for the next flight out. Most of the elites are. That's why it's crashing. Anyway, do we have any video comments today or not, John? Just out of question, because I don't know. No. Okay, we should go to the written comments. So people um, subscribe and then they can leave comments. So okay. read through them, I suppose. Uh, General Hai Ping, the Chinese Internet Battalion, says, a really fun episode with a great guest. Cheers all around. There we are. Oh, thank you. Uh, on the ADL war, Ethelstan95 says, when the demand for racism outstrips supply, these people, NGO activists, will do their best to create some. Certainly will. Ross Diggle, the question is, is the ADL a protection racket arm of either the World Economic Forum or someone like BlackRock uh, to have such power of advertisers? Probably both. Probably get money from Probably, both. Yeah, mm. that would make sense to me. We could check their accounts. Good fun. Um, so Derek Power says, some poverty law center is another ADL type. Yep, it's another great one, which is... But you remember the sovereignty... Uh, I don't know if you know. You know Majid Nawaz? Yes, I know him, yes. Do you remember he ended up suing them? Uh, he ended up suing who? The Southern Poverty Law Center. I didn't know that. So they said he was an anti-Islam extremist. Ah, okay. So he super- and he went, Allah Akbar, I'm a Muslim. Yeah. <laughs> uh- <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't that doesn't add up. Bless him. Yeah, yeah. he was treated terribly. Gosh. Uh, Vesta Wolf says declare the ADL a quite frankly uh, NGO, international organization, terrorist organizations, and treat them as such. Yeah, I mean this goes back to your point. I don't know if you have ever seen Lukashenko be interviewed by the BBC. Oh, uh, oh no, this no, I no. must see. I've never actually heard his voice. Lukashenko, you know. So how, he's the, how did that go? The, the Belarusian... He's, he's the leader of Belarus. And um, he uh, won another election, which was, you know, great news for him. I think he got eight. Oh, was he the, Yes, he, he was the one who got interviewed by the BBC and they tried to give him a hard time on press and he hit back with Julian Assange, that guy. Yes. yes. But the yes. other part of that particular interview that's so great is that they say to him, you know, you've cracked down on uh, freedom and press and blah, blah, blah. And he just responds with, we will liquidate every single one of your NGOs that you send our way to distort society. And then he goes, yes. oh, you're upset. <laughs> just like, you just said you'd liquidate them all, mate. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> they have a different way of dealing things in Eastern Europe, and it's, um, it's not just those two. Poland and Hungary are also... I swear he got a complaint with a bunch of journalists he didn't like grounded in Belarus. He created some sort of fake emergency and said the plane must be grounded because oh, it's in Belarusian just, airspace. It just arrested all a, of them. A fake emergency that sucks oh, in journalists. Have we had any examples of that in the last two years? Can't think of any. I did like his, um, do you know the cure for COVID in Belarus? What? Turning Bob- off the TV? Vodka. Uh, That's hilarious. Oh my God. Two shots of vodka. <laughs> Read by him. That's quite funny. Anyway, so Christian Anderson for the last one on the ADL says it's uh, word magic. The magic words are used to control others. It's more use. It it's used. The less power will have uh, the word have. If you believe in the magic of the words, they work. And someone who uses it against you is in control of you. But when you stop believing in the magic that the words have, all of their power leaves. Magic yes. exists and works only if you believe in it. That's true. It's, it's more hypnotism, really. What what they're describing there. Yeah, rather than magic is. I mean, we're becoming more conditioned to 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 viewing to to be alarmed by certain words. I think that's yeah. the whole point. It's more about conditioning than anything else. And I'm curious what it's going to have, have the effect it's going to have on future generations, as opposed to you know people over forty that have a bit more common sense. Yes, quite. Yeah. 
on the Putin segment, um, Henry poses an interesting question. He says, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good masculine example in British politics. Uh, who do you, do you want to guess who he came up with? The most masculine leader that we've had in the sort of post-war period? Oh, post-war, because I, I, I was thinking like yeah. actual war. He 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 came up with Thatcher, which I which I think is well, uh, it's true. It's, it's true. It's <laughs> yes. kind of it's true. This is the thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. When when a woman has more balls than a man. As as, as Henry points out, uh, Major was a wet blanket. Blair was a snake. Yes. Brown um, is, is probably two. Cameron was no different. Well, Cameron just posed. Yeah, Cameron was a poundland Blair. Blair. Yeah. Even the old boys are bloody useless. Like Eden was pathetic. He was put on the Suez Canal. Yes. And you got what was it? Eden who was um, Ch- Chamberlain was also. Like um... Millen's a cuckold. Yeah, <laughs> was he? <laughs> um, Chamberlain's before the war, isn't he? Uh, yes. yes. Well, yeah. Right. No, actually, well, he just ended when when um, Churchill took over. But yeah, um, yes. he was. Yeah, he was a bit of a wetty, wasn't he? I mean, he was. Yeah, this thing, it's unfair because of the yeah. appeasement thing. But he was actually pretty consequential before that. I guess it's it's, it's a bit easier. Henry points out in in the US because of course we've got Trump. Strong. I mean, history history, history is far less forgiving of naive men than naive women. I, I genuinely believe that. Yes. We're far less forgiving for men that don't seem to have their wits about them than for women. Because well, we kind of just expect it. You expect competence from men if they're going to be high value. And a man who's incompetent is just utterly useless. Utterly useless. Whereas a woman who's incompetent, like she can still have um, uses in a feminine role. But in a, a masculine man role, a man... useless uh, past a certain point. I think past the age of 25. Yeah, that's a problem. If you're, if you're like a young man and you're yeah. incompetent, society's patient with you. If, if you're over a certain particularly over 30, it's just, just repelling. Yeah. Shall we move on? Uh, S.H. Silver says, I can't blame those dissatisfied with autocrats on our side for simping for autocrats on the other side. Right, I'm not simping for Putin. Much. Much? <laughs> yes. To, to be clear, because, you know, <laughs> that, that was not the energy I was going with. I could, list, I could sit here and list the problems, but yeah, I know oh, that's yeah, not there, your point. Yeah, there are points. Isn't yeah, it but sad that he is the person that is... In this context, I suppose the most apt to draw. Um, yes. Well, well the, the one, the one I really like is um, is Bukele in El Salvador. I like him. I mean, I, w- I wish it didn't have to be. Pu- I mean, you know what I mean. Yes. I wish we had examples of of leaders, maybe in the West, but not particularly in the West, that you know weren't Putin. That well, could I mean, could the, could be an example that well, you I can't. Actually, I can't yes. think of a Western. But Donald Trump because well, the, the, well, well that, yeah, was, but yeah, that was the best we had within it. yes well yeah but that, again that's a problem he shouldn't be the best we have because he's old yeah. like what is it with the, these fucking old politicians you seen the graph what graph of uh, the average age sorry no the number of oh, senators oh, okay. over 70 yeah yeah and it's just like yeah, ebbs and flows and then what is it since the 70s it's just everyone's Shut over up. 70 yeah a, a lot of things and have changed and it's particularly a problem in the Democrats because the Democrats 99 now Oh yeah, uh, Maxine, Maxine Waters. She remembers the Holocaust. Yeah, <laughs> she doesn't know what's going on around her. Yeah. She's gone completely senile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bless her. She's like, oh, that's it's, mean. It's a huge problem. Yes, uh, Derek says historically Russia has always been followed the strongest guy from Vladimir in the uh, Rust days to Ivan in the start of Romanovs. Putin is no different. To think that Putin to become Western is a delusional pipe dream. Yes, we can. I we can hold out. His, hope. History has been far more brutal than Russia. I mean. Yes, it has a bit. So survival was was well the, far far more. I, well, it's difficult now, that, but depending on kind of access to resources you have. But in, in Russia, you have like Siberia. You can literally. Be well, they've been they, they've been invaded fifty times. Exactly. And, and and the last time they had they had a big war, um, that they lost fifteen percent of their men between eighteen and. And virtually every war they have, their their strategy is to just throw. Yes. Bodies at the problem. Yes. So it's it's a pretty like you know brutal. It's, place. it's a bit it's a, it's a bit rough certainly. Yeah. Um, have we got time for any from your last segment? I'll read one. Why not? Um, Sophie's yours is too long, so I'll read it after myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, 
Okay, Arizona Desert Rat. Uh, Esther, the truth should never be uncomfortable. Most of those migrants are healthy young men coming from France. They're not desperate for safety or food. Oh, yeah, that's yep. true. Yep. Bakeries in France. Anyway, out of time. If you'd like to find more from Esther, where would they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Esther K. I mean, I've made a habit of just retweeting memes now because I can't be bothered to argue with people. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, click on, yeah, the, no, wait, click on the bald black guy. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, Even now I have not really fully um, understood it. That you can fail to be attracted that you can fail to be attracted to beautiful, beautiful women. Here. Here. The 70. Or, or, and elsewhere. He's just talking about beautiful women. Yeah, you're president. Yeah. A man. And you're right. <laughs> Gay so his point is they're like, how can you be gay when we have such beautiful women yeah, exactly. and get attracted to men? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's and uh, my website esakoku.com. Right. Um, yeah, I post uh, memes mainly and do comments. It's the only way to live, really. Yeah, because the thing is, if you have to laugh, if not, you'll cry. Anyway, yes. it's, it's sad. Yeah. We are out of time, so we'll have to end it there. So um, if you want more, go to the website. If you don't, don't. Bye. <laughs>